JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Indianapolis Star to get us updated on injuries, who's out, who's in, all that fun stuff and more. Nate Atkins joins us. Hello, Nate. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing well. Another week in the books. And, you know, it's always kind of something with this team. It's amazing to think that, like, you know, eight days ago or so, uh, whenever that was, I guess that would be about two weeks ago, um, we didn't have a Jonathan Taylor contract. Then we have one, and then we have quarterback changes, and it's kind of what I've learned that this beat is a little bit. So uh, another week of <laughs> a lot of news here and a lot of adjustments. Yeah, I think um, I think in other places they call it oftentimes a cluster blank. Nate, to be honest, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that that's a fair way to describe it. You know, it's kind of crazy because last year was obviously the peak of that, um, and this year, you know, I, I thought once that Taylor contract came through, it was. You know, we had the quarterback, had the coach, had the running back under contract, and things would normalize. But, you know, it's a vicious league, and here we are. It's funny. Uh, I know that they have, gone, they have gone with the mantra of uh, for the shoe for a long time now, and I want it to be stop jacking around because you're right. And I know they're not going to put that up on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium, but they should. I think we recognize that this team is going to be back, consistently back, not just with the play and the outcome and the results on the field, but with how things are handled off of it, organizationally, team-wise, and when you don't have all this consistent garbage you have to go through. You don't have uh, an important player getting suspended earlier this week for six games like Grover Stewart. When we're clear of that, and we also see the consistent play on a winning level back on the field, I think truly that combination is going to tell us what we need to know that this team is in the right direction and in the right spot. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure how they'll go for that as the hashtag, stop jacking around, but uh <laughs> can pitch yeah. it to them, see how it goes. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I think I think there'd be some people uh, that would definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, it. Um, in terms of Grover Stewart, I mean, it's the last thing anybody needed. But you come off that disappointment in Jacksonville, no matter what side of the football you're talking about. And then, you know, you're set into a week when you anticipate hearing the news that we got regarding Anthony Richardson being done and opting for surgery. And then that thing kind of comes out of nowhere with the exception of Colts fans. You're kind of used to it. He's going to be missing for six games. I'll start right here. This is an A and B question. A, how much will he be missed beginning Sunday against the Browns? And then B, does this at all derail on any level uh, the interest the Colts may have in bringing him back once his contract is finished here, obviously at the end of his deal, making him longer term. Does that have any play whatsoever? Uh, starting with the first one, I do think it's going to be a big loss for Sunday, uh, especially. I think that's the game where it's really going to come uh, to to the forefront because uh, you know this is a game that's set up to be very defensive, two teams with potentially backup quarterbacks, or maybe the Browns will have, you know, Deshaun Watson in there sort of gutting it out with that, uh, you know, his own shoulder injury. But it's really set up to kind of where what team can avoid the mistakes to win the game. And I think uh, Grover Stewart being out, you know, that, that kind of gives the Browns a lane to avoid the mistake. I, I expect them to just sort of run the ball right at the backups there, whether it's Eric Johnson or Taven Bryan. Neither guy has played a lot uh, 
certainly at the nose tackle position, Taven's more of a three technique. Eric Johnson, they've been molding in there, you know, but he's, you know, we haven't seen a ton of him uh, since he got drafted in the fifth round last year. And the Browns have two Pro Bowl guards, and I expect them to just kind of play it simple and go right at that spot. Uh, so we'll see if you know it's going to put a lot on DeForest Buckner's plate, where there always is. I expect him to be double teamed every snap. We'll see if he can produce through that because that's it's one of those tough things where like if you can't stop the run up the middle, there's very little schematic adjustment you can make to that, and so. Uh, you know, at least that, that's not going to expose them with their young outside corners. So I think that'll be an issue as far as the future of Grover Stewart. You know, they the, the Colts very much believe that this was an honest mistake and that they, you know, that they, they, they'll learn from this and they love Grover, the person they always have. But the one tricky thing in this league is whenever you give a lane for someone else at your position to prove what they can do. You know, this is where it's it's going to be interesting to watch. Eric Johnson, he's got a long sample size of six games, but that's a guy that they drafted to develop and they wanted to add strength and weight to because he was coming out of Missouri State, but they liked his athleticism. And we'll see if he can, if he can play, you know, not obviously Grover's level, but if he, can, if he can be a serviceable, solid nose tackle, you start to get into that conversation where Grover Stewart's a free agent. You know, he's been averaging about $10 million a year. You've got Eric Johnson, who is on a very, very cheap, salary for the next two years as a fifth-round pick on a rookie deal, um, you know, that's where it becomes a conversation. We have to see it first. Uh, it's quite possible. Like, Eric Johnson has to prove that. Uh, but, yeah, I think the, the door is at least open for, uh, for for something to happen there, whereas, you know, prior to this week, I would have said, you know, I thought Grover Stewart was a, a top extension candidate, and he still might be. It may go the other direction where, you know, you really learn how much they miss him, and they need him that much more because of what they see without him. But uh, at least it's it's less certain to me that he's going to be extended here than, than maybe a week ago. So Nate Atkins of the Star Covers the Colts with us on this Friday edition, uh, Bud Light Blue Friday at the Slippery Noodle on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. So was the Gardner Minshew turnover parade last week, the three interceptions and the one fumble, was that the so-called blip on the radar, or was there more to it, and especially more to it in terms of what we might expect to see from this Colts offense against this vaunted Browns defense Sunday? I think long-term it is a blip on the radar. Gardner's never had a three-interception game before. He's really known as a guy who takes care of the ball, even sometimes to a fault. He doesn't really attempt – a lot of risky throws, uh, and he's played a lot. He's you know he's started like 26 games in this league now. So I think that part was a little bit random. Two of the interceptions, the ball just sort of fluttered out of his hand, and, and he, that can happen when uh, you know when he's trying to force the ball down the field, and he doesn't have as much arm strength. So there is a risk for that, but his track record doesn't really have a lot of that. I do think like the strip sack that he had, he does have a higher fumbling rate than a lot of other quarterbacks. It has to do with, you know, just being sort of a smaller quarterback that hits and trying to absorb a hit, trying to get away from those hits. I do think that can be a risk for as long as they're playing without Braden Smith at right tackle. Uh, and that's going to obviously be the case this week. They've got Blake Freeland in there for his second start at right tackle. And this week it's a real concern because the Browns are going to have Miles Garrett coming off that edge. Uh, Zedaria Smith off the other edge. It's interesting. The Browns have dominated every single defensive stat you could find except for turnovers. They're 30th in the league in turnovers, and I think it's mostly that they've forced so many three and outs they aren't on the field enough for that. They also run a lot of man coverage, so they don't really have eyes on the quarterback as much. But this could be a week where if that matchup between Miles Garrett and Blake Freeland goes on paper how it might, you know, this is a week where I could see the Browns sort of rebounding and, you know, correcting some of their turnover mistakes. So I think it is, the Colts are up against it this week in terms of fixing the ball security. But going forward, I don't think I don't think Gardner's going to throw the same number of interceptions. It's more the fumbles that you have to watch for. Yeah. Well, what um, other than just an awful day for him? What what um, what was so compelling? Because I mean, Jacksonville was just doing the. The same thing, mostly, we saw in week one. And I, I know that they took away the short passes, and that looked like that discombobulated everybody here after that initial drive. 
But what led him down the path of just trying to be and make plays out of something that normally he isn't or in the fashion in which he we've seen him make plays? What led to that? Yeah, it was, I think, a mix of throwing more than he's ever thrown before, career-high 55 attempts. It was He was sort of forced into holding the ball and waiting to develop down the field, not normally his style, but the Jaguars were running a lot of press man coverage. And all of a sudden, their corners have really kind of taken off, especially Darius Williams in the slot has sort of, uh, you know, just really become a star. He was he was flashing last night in the Thursday night game against the Saints, and that took away one of the easier outlets for Gardner, which is Josh Downs, the one player I think he has the best chemistry with. So they just kind of took the easy answers away from him. They they put the they made the game fall on his shoulders by all the stuff they were doing to take away the run game with the bear front or the diamond front, seven and five guys up front, made him throw out of it, but they, they made him throw out of it without those easy, you know, completions to Josh Downs and, and right away. So some of it he was trying to go down the field and and it just was a this was a tough day for him. It just the ball flew on him twice where he had open guys, Michael Pittman Jr. open. Uh, at least on one of those he was really open and it just the ball sailed over his head. Um, and the other one looked like a miscommunication. Josh Downs and Michael Pittman were running really close together. There's no way the play was designed that way. So that might have been on that. And then really the other one, it looks like a desperation play. And I guess it kind of was the one in the end zone. But that was more of Pittman was breaking free to the outside. And if he could could have thrown it the outside, it may have been a touchdown. He at least could have gotten a jump ball. You know, I'd take Michael Pittman against most players. That was another moment, though, where the kind of lacking arm strength combined with he seemed to be, you know, he was falling backwards on the play, just an ill-advised moment to try that pass. So just one of those games where he had to throw way more than he ever had. He had to throw down the field more than he's used to. And first start for him, I guess second start since Baltimore, after the Baltimore game, but just uh, kind of too much on his plate at once, and it, it kind of snowballed on him. So Nate Atkins of the Stars on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon, he brought up, you know, this team defensively in the Browns up front. You know, I talked about Garrett. You know, we brought up Smith. But how much of a concern should the, the Colts have, certainly by what you were just talking about and what went down last week, considering what we have seen so far out of that secondary? It clearly, Jim Swartz has both sides of this defense, both ends, I should say, of this defense, playing exceptionally well right now. And you can make an argument that the best part about it may be in that secondary. Yeah, no doubt. He was talking this week in his press conference about what's really, really set them over the top is just how great their coverage is in man coverage on the outsides. They've got two first-round cornerbacks in Denzel Ward and Greg Newsome, and they have a you know a slot corner, Martin Emerson, who's a third-round pick, playing like a first-round pick. And they're pretty much able to just put guys on islands and stack the box. And they just there aren't really good answers to any of this. The best that teams can try and do is make those guys cover and man for longer, but that means surviving Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith in the pass rush in all the ways that Jim Schwartz has always been one of those creative at uh, generating pressures and mixing it up up front where guys are rushing from different leverage points and angles all the time. So it's just a lot to throw at an opposing offense. And what I expect this week is that I think they're going to live with eight guys in the box just like Jacksonville did. You'll see Roddy McLeod, who started – here last year, one of the better run-fitting strong safeties, he's going to be that extra guy in the box uh, because I think they kind of know. They're expecting, they were talking this week, they're expecting Jonathan Taylor to be more of Jonathan Taylor. He's been inching back there, and that's kind of the best hope the Colts have for explosive plays is if he is that guy again we saw a couple years ago when he was healthy and in shape. Uh, so they're going to really stack it to take that away, and I think they're just going to live in press man on the outside, which – Against some passing games is a scary way to live, but with their corners specifically and against this passing attack and where it's at right now, it's just going to be a tough matchup for the Colts they have to overcome. You know, Alec Pierce is probably – I think he's going to play. He's questionable with the shoulder, but it seems like he's going to play, but he's, you know, he's a little limited. And Kyler Granson's out this week. So uh, the, the number of targets they have available, especially if they're going to keep a tight end in to help Blake Freeland against Miles Garrett – it's going to make it harder to break guys open. So at some point, 
these receivers are just going to have to win some of these matchups, and Gardner's going to have to really be on point throwing, obviously more than he was last week, and uh, their communication is going to really have to be on point. So it'll help being at home. It'll help having another week of practice as the starting unit, uh, but definitely it's a matchup that's not in their favor on paper. Hey, Nate, I was talking about this a little bit earlier this week. Is these, or is this one of these games on the schedule here when you look at the matchups? And we saw what, what Jacksonville did and what they took away on Sunday and how this offense operated for the Colts. Is it one of these situations where, simply put, if the Colts can't find anything on the outside, can't move it down the field, which I don't think a lot of us believe that they ultimately can, are they just screwed considering how the Browns are going to play them on Sunday? I mean, I think if that's the case, it's going to be really hard to do a lot on offense. But what's in their favor is that, you know, the Browns have their own quarterback issues with Deshaun Watson coming off the shoulder injury and their offense hasn't really gotten going either. And kind of the one, the, the formula for the Colts, if they're going to try and win this is probably very similar to how they beat the Ravens, which is, Long field goals, and they have Matt Gay kicking at home indoors. That That's a nice weapon to have. And then, obviously, their defense has to make enough plays. That's where I think losing Grover Stewart is pretty significant for this game because it takes the best thing I think that they did against the Ravens was suffocate the designed runs and kind of make the Ravens win from drop-back passing where they didn't really have threats on the outside to expose them and they were just able to get them off the field a lot and force a couple turnovers. That's kind of the model where I think the Colts are going to need turnovers. They're going to need, you know, get into Matt Gay's range. So that means protecting the ball and at least moving it enough to get some long field goals going. Uh, outside of that, like, I, I think the one other way would be if Jonathan Taylor just really gets going. But that's going to mean, I think, running on stacked boxes. He did that in 2021. But I think what – you know, what's tough here is no Braden Smith and, uh, you know, you know they don't have a blocking tight end like Jack Doyle. That mattered so much back then of clearing out those stacked boxes. So um, this is where, you know, I wrote a lot about this this week, but Anthony Richardson, while obviously he was an imperf, you know, he's a rookie, he's, he's developing as a passer, the run threat for him served as like an extra blocker against those stacked boxes. It would make a defensive end freeze when he handed off the ball where the defensive end would crash on the running back and Anthony could pull it out and go somewhere else. And that that's the element that they need right now to, to, to solve this stacked box issue. Without it, they're just I think at some point they're just going to have to throw teams out of it. And it's going to be tough this week against the corners that they're up against. But if they can make enough plays, just get a few first downs and kick some long field goals, maybe their defensive defense can win it like it did against Baltimore. I think that's the best chance they have. Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll take Anthony Richardson out of the equation because clearly uh, he is the most important loss for this team in this game on Sunday and then certainly moving forward. But on the game on Sunday, who would you view as the bigger loss? Braden Smith at right tackle not being able to play or Grover Stewart with that six-game suspension not going to be in action? Good question because I just talked up the case for Grover, but I still have to go with Braden just because of the matchup he specifically has with Miles Garrett, who is, you know, one of the best game records in the NFL. Probably, I'd put him up there with, uh, you know, just maybe just below Aaron Donald or pretty close, right up there with Nick Bosa, and those are guys that usually have to, you have to just scheme toward and put a lot of attention to and use your tight ends for, and that all helps, but. You know, not having Braden Smith, you know, going back to a, a right tackle and, and Blake Freeland, who's going to get his second game there. He's practiced four times there since the season started. It just gets tough. They'll do things to help him out. Obviously, they'll have a tight end in there, big maybe full time. That's probably the way to do it. But they're also going to move. You know, the Browns will move Miles around. They'll they'll line him up over the center sometimes. They'll uh, they'll stunt. They'll, they're going to stress the communication of that line to where. You know, you'll have other guys sort of, you know, coming at him too. He's gonna he's gonna have to face Zedarius Smith, you know, when Miles Garrett goes on the other side. And so, I think it's just a ton to throw it uh, at a right tackle. If the Colts are able to, you know, find some way to play with the lead and really be the team that can play safe, like they did against Baltimore, 
uh, where they didn't turn the ball over and, and didn't have to force that much, they can maybe avoid the dropback settings for uh, for Blake Freeland against Miles Garrett. But I think every time that they're in sort of like a third and long, third and medium situation, uh, you're going to have to really keep your eye on that matchup because it just feels like the potential for for disaster on any play, and that's that's not just. You know, that's not just talking about the loss of Braden Smith. That's as much about Miles Garrett and just the heater that he's on right now. Hey, hey Nate, really quickly in closing, too, he watched Jacksonville last night get that Thursday night win, and I thought that that, even against the Saints team that's not very good, was ultra-impressive, you know, given the fact it was a game-time decision for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they didn't play great offensively. They made, they made big plays offensively. But I believe three wins in, like, the past 13 days, which included, you know, spending two weeks overseas in London. This has been an impressive four-win consecutive run for this Jaguars team. Yeah, no doubt. They're 5-2 and two already. They haven't done that in quite a while. And it, you take it back to really last season where they started 3-7, and seven, you know, and then they finished 9-8 and eight and won a playoff game. They, they've really kind of taken control of the AFC South. And that's kind of what I expected this year. Uh, you know, they were – they started a little slow on offense this season, you know, with I think a lot of offensive line issues, but they get Cam Robinson back at left tackle. They let some some more chemistry build with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they're just one of those teams that's going to keep getting better and better because of the edge their passing game is going to have on opposing teams when it gets continuity and consistency and just flat out the players that they have with Calvin Ridley joining forces with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and all of that. So as long as Trevor Lawrence is healthy – I just think they're a step – they're a notch above everyone in the South uh, because the only other quarterback who's currently healthy that you could put in the conversation with them in that division would be C.J. Stroud, who's having an amazing rookie year. But the difference there is they don't have the same built-in scheme and the same receivers he's playing with to do it consistently every week, and he's a rookie. So I think the Jaguars are kind of in a nice spot where they can – I don't know if they'll run away with the division you know, exactly yet, but – uh, they're certainly the, the leaders in the clubhouse, and it's going to be a surprise if anyone can catch them. Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. Kind enough to join us on this Bud Light Blue Friday live in the Slippery Noodle. And, uh, Nate, have yourself a great weekend, and we'll see you in the press box coming up on Sunday. Thank you. Yep, have a good one. Joining us now from the Athletic, he covers the Cleveland Browns. That's your matchup on Sunday, week number seven at Lucas Oil Stadium with Cleveland and the Colts. Zach Jackson, he joins us. Hey, Zach, thank you very much this Friday afternoon for the time. How you doing? Good. I'm all right. I mean, you know, six weeks of the Browns is like six months or six years, but I'm ready to come to well, Indy tomorrow. Well, you don't even want to be around here recently. You, know, you think that's a long time. So let me tell you, let me tell you about lengthy periods of time around here with this team in recent history, Zach. Yeah, it's, well, you spent a lot of time talking it up. Yes. It's funny you say that because earlier I was listening to Stephen Holder on Cleveland radio. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, it's been years since the Colts had a quarterback. And I'm thinking, Stephen, I love you, but it's been decades or centuries around here since the Browns had a quarterback. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, obviously always more of a mess if you're actually soaking in that mess, which uh, we have been here uh, for a while. I want to ask you this. Got a couple of local guys on this roster. Uh, David Bell from Warren Central being one, and Dewan Jones, your right tackle, a fourth-round pick in this past year's draft out of Ohio State from Ben Davis. Uh, let's start with Dewan Jones. How good has he looked, and, and just how overall surprising has his level of play been at right tackle? Well, it's been fairly surprising, and it's been really good. I mean, I'm not going to say perfect or exceptional, but it's been really good. And so, you know, the defense has been awesome, but as far as the offense, in terms of positive surprises, he is clearly the one. Uh, he's come a long way. They've coached him up. They think he's done everything that he needed to do to become a professional, to get ready, and they think the sky's the limit for this kid, and, and I kind of think that too. So he, he's been super impressive. Uh, and how he's handled everything and how he's taken guys on. T.J. Watt in his first start, Nick Bosa last week. Um, DeWan's been really good, and the Browns were willing to do what other teams weren't, including the Colts, which DeWan is well aware of. You know, I think it was five picks ahead that they took Blake Freeland. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes. you know, they think they got a guy that 
Um, he might never be perfect, but he's so big that when he gets his hand on you and pass protection, you just don't get around him. Zach Jackson of the Athletic covers the Browns on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I know that you got a staple over there, left tackle right now in uh, in Willis Jr. Is could Dewan Jones could he play left tackle in the NFL? They gave him very few reps there in the summer, and they have talked about it, but they think he's best fit at right for now. So. Um, you know, in two years when the Browns have to make a change at left tackle, maybe. But yeah. I think that they, I think that they feel like he's home there, and, and we'll see. Makes sense. Uh, David Bell's from Warren Central too, and Purdue at wide receiver. I, I haven't checked here recently. What what type of snap count is he getting, game after game uh, thus far? You know, not much. But he just had his best game. They don't beat the Forty ers without David Bell. And to a Browns fan, that sounds crazy because he's been invisible for a season and a half. But he catches a ball on fourth down to keep a drive alive. And he teamed up with left tackle Jedrick Wills on a block of Fred Warner, who might be the best linebacker in the league on a touchdown run, the only touchdown the Browns scored. So um, a week ago, I just said, yeah, I can't tell you anything positive about David Bell. He's a nice kid, but he he definitely um, was an impact player in that game last week. So, Zach, we know this. Nick Chubb went down for the season. Uh, Kareem Hunt was brought in. Jerome Ford is also a, a part of this, rotationally speaking. How has the Browns offense adjusted to that just stratospherically major loss earlier this year? Yeah, not well is the answer. Now, they obviously have had the quarterback drama and all of that, but they ran it last week. Um, you know, some of that was just opportunity. Their defense was so good that I think they had 15 more snaps than the Niners had. The weather wasn't great, and, and they had a practice squad quarterback playing, frankly, so they ran it out of necessity and eventually had some success. Um, you know, the most disappointing thing, other than the, the drama and just not having Deshaun Watson play at a high level, is that Watson finally played a good game the last time he played, and they didn't get to build on it, let alone in, you know, in practice, let alone in the games, right? So they need to run the ball. They're going to play more bad weather games, and even if Watson gets back and is playing really well, uh, here sometime relatively soon, they're going to need to run it, and they did last week. You know, Jerome, nobody's Nick Chubb, right? Jonathan Taylor, I think, is the closest thing out there. Um, Jerome Ford's a talented guy. You know, they can use him in different spots. He's not a 20, 22, 25 carry game guy. Kareem Hunt is no longer a top-level running back in this league, but they think they have enough with that combination, and we'll see how they use it. I mean, to me, can they run Watson when he comes back? Because he needs to run around. If he's hesitant at all or baby in that shoulder, it's going to be a problem. Hey, let's talk some quarterback drama because certainly uh, we're no stranger to that in the past around here. Um, so let's bring this up with you right now because it's always better feeling when it's happening someplace else. So this is what I gather. And go ahead and correct me on all avenues in which I'm inaccurate. So Wednesday, I think everybody there thought, that Deshaun Watson was going to practice and he didn't. And then you were skeptical if he was going to play. And then Thursday he was back out there practicing. So if that's true, tell me, and then move this thing forward, your expectation for Sunday. Yeah. I mean, at the risk of telling you how strange the whole thing has been, I would tell you that yesterday at four 30, if I was on your show, I would have said Deshaun Watson is not playing, but he practiced in full today. Yeah. Uh, in the 15 minutes or so that we can see, he seemed to be practicing with much more purpose. And like he was getting ready, he was feeling better. And I think that the full expectation is that, that he's going to be the starter on Sunday. Now, are they worried about soreness? Do they fully think that he's healthy and then he can run the whole playbook? I don't know. So, you know, they're going to go through the last minute checks and balances, um, you know, in the 50 or so hours that we still got until game time. But when they get on that plane tomorrow, um, you know, I, I think they're thinking that he's going to be the quarterback. And I think over the end of the practice week here that they shifted all attention to um, him being that. So they had the uncertainty before, but I think they at least finished this week, even, you know, yesterday and today thinking he's going to play. You know, it's, it's interesting. You guys over in Cleveland have been waiting on Deshaun Watson and paid for mu so much like him. It was like waiting on a 90s album from Guns N' Roses back in the day. <laughs> you guys have waited for so long for this. What, what has so far been the payoff, uh, if anything, to this point? What do you believe is the future for him? Are you going to get return on investment there? And then how have the fans reacted so far to Watson being back out there and then not out there this season yeah you know there's been angst and i would tie that to the to the rest of the answer which is i think because of what they gave up and because of the situation that they're in 
I think the fans just decided he was going to be great that he needed to be, right? And he does to live up to the contract. Um, and he hasn't been that. So this is a no excuses league. We all know that. But you could also lay out valid excuses for why you haven't seen the best version. Um, you know, I just am pretty blunt with it. He's played nine games, he's played 12 good quarters. It has not been good. It has been a distraction. It has been a circus, and it in no way has been worth the investment. However, he did just play his best game. You see a defense that's good enough to carry him to the playoffs if he even shows up on Sundays, and you do see enough glimpses to think that they can eventually piece this together. It has happened only a little over zero to this point, but um, he's talented. He's not some rookie. You know, there is a track record of him doing it. And in the last game, and with the way Amari Cooper's playing, I'm not shutting the door. It just hasn't happened to this point. And really, no one knows exactly the extent of the injury or what has been going on the last three weeks, except Deshaun and the, and the people at the very top of the organization. And so when he comes back in, which we're now assuming is Sunday, he just has to play well, and they have to really grow as an offense over the next month or so. Zach Jackson of the Athletic covers the Browns uh, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I let you go, uh, was last week all about the defense and then tell me what Jim Swartz has put together, and I've I've talked about it on both ends, the front and the back end here, just looks like a team that will, will choke you out and it's got playmaking ability, all that the Colts, I'm sure, offensively with Gardner Minshew coming off that performance last week in Jacksonville, do not want to see. How good has this been, and were they the major reason why that this team handed San Fran their first loss of the season last Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were fortunate to win the game last week, but it wasn't fluky because the defense was that good. I mean, this is the NFL through five games are giving up 200 yards a game. They are living in opposing backfields, and that's the simplest way to say it. If you don't get blocked, you don't get beat, right? And they're just they're back there. They're all over the place. Uh, Denzel Ward is playing like the best corner in the league. Martin Emerson's not far behind him. Miles Garrett's a freak of freaks, and they got guys around him that are you know freeing him up and joining him in the backfield. So it hasn't even been crazy stats. You know, when you look in terms of turnover sacks yeah. and the things that usually get defenses noticed, they're just back there. They speed up the quarterback. They speed up the play caller. They speed up everything. And when they've played crappy offenses, the Titans, Joe Burrow on one leg, Kenny Pickett, they have flat-out dominated them. And the Niners were sharp early last week, and when it turned, no exaggeration, Brock Purdy went two whole quarters without setting his feet one time. They, they were not only beating him to the spot, but they were in his head. He was seeing things that weren't there. And, uh, that's, uh, you look at the stats, and the stats you said, the, the big stats, about just over 1,000 yards so far this season <laughs> given up. It is an amazing one, too. And what you just described regarding what they did to Brock Purdy is an absolute nightmare, considering what we witnessed in that bad game of Gardner Minshew last weekend in Jacksonville. Absolute nightmare. Hey, Zach, man, I appreciate it. Safe travels over here, and uh, we'll catch you up in the press box coming up on Sunday, man. Great info. Thank you very much. Thank you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, got homecoming tomorrow with Rutgers in town. You've got Hoosier Hysteria later on tonight. And I'm assuming he's going to be having a nice, quiet dinner later on this evening with rapper Gucci Mane, who's going to be at Hoosier Hysteria this evening. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. We're in Gucci. You and Gucci Mane going to go. Uh, where are you going tonight? Like Yogi's, maybe down to, uh, uh, I don't know, the Irish Lion, Crazy Horse. Where are you going? Gucci who? Gucci Mane, an American rapper slash record executive. He could get your singing career started, Don. Well, uh, if he would hire me as a singer uh, with whatever organization he's with, he'd go broke in a heartbeat. Let me tell you this. You have such a great voice. You cannot even try to get past me the fact that I think you could sound exactly like Mac Davis if you tried. <laughs> <laughs> I might be able to keep – well, let me let me put it this way to you. I did – I could sing along with Mac Davis because yes. couldn't, he couldn't reach any higher notes than I could. So <laughs> I want to just – yeah, really quick, we'll, we'll give you the forum, and you can go ahead and, and give me – and give us your interpretation slash rendition of Baby Don't Get Hooked on Me. You ready to do that, Don? Go ahead. We're ready. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's, let's not have anybody turn your station off today. I think you want to. <laughs> well, well, I think some would probably rather hear that than maybe talk about tomorrow's football game. I'm not sure. So I'm maybe. Little, but. I'm, a little, I'm a little more verbi, verbal <laughs> about something like the football game tomorrow than I am about Matt Davis and whatever song no. he was singing. <laughs> Baby, don't get hooked on me because he was playing the field back in 72, Don. Come on now. Playing the field. <laughs> you you are so much more intelligent than I am about music anymore. I, I got no clue who Gucci Mane is or anybody else <laughs> in that genre. <laughs> that is a, a part of Hoosier hysteria. Are you staying up here tonight or are you staying down in Bloomington this evening? No, no. I'll be home. I'll be home. Okay. Okay. Well, I know that uh, – I know the Edgewood, I believe, has got uh, Jennings County, right, tonight in the uh, start of the postseason in football. Yep, at Jennings County. That's why we're not going down there. I would, I'd would, i go to Edgewood tonight in a heartbeat if I could, but uh, it's at Jennings County, and I'm not going there because i got to get up early in the morning to go to Bloomington. So, at any rate, uh, I'll, I'll wish, I've already wished my son good luck on tonight's good. ball game. So, we're, we're hoping that they can somehow – finally pull up and get a victory here. They did last week, of course. They beat uh, Brown yeah. County, who, uh, who really struggled. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> awful, Don. If, 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 Edge, <laughs> if Edgewood beat them, they can't be very good. And I'm not putting that Edgewood down in any way, shape, or form because they're they're in a transition yeah. year. But nevertheless, uh, it was good for Edgewood to get a, finally a, get a win after the opening win of the season that was incidentally – no longer a win because I guess they played. <laughs> My son played yeah. an eligible player in that game. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and, I, and he didn't know he was ineligible, but apparently they found out later, so they had to forfeit. <laughs> oh no! I didn't know that. This is breaking news right here. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, uh, the, the who, one, who in the world's keeping track of stuff at Edgewood? What's going on there? <laughs> That's <laughs> me, man. <laughs> oh, I can just tell you it's been a tough year. Nevertheless, yeah. they got a chance yeah. tonight, Jennings County, and we'll see how it all goes. Well, I, I've always been a big fan uh, of Edgewood, and obviously where I grew up um, in Eastern Green, we played them every year in, in everything. And there was always that kind of you know competitive jealousy uh, because one, Lance Ringler went there and he had such great hair. But the other thing was the fact that, <laughs> that you know, it, it, they were in Monroe County, so it was almost like they were a little brother or a little sister to Bloomington North and Bloomington South. It was a weird yeah. dynamic back then, but it always seemed like a good place, good place to go. And I, I remember back in the days when Ron Heklinski was the, the head coach of basketball. I mean, you, you talk about dudes that played hard there. They had a complete shift in how they played basketball in high school because of how he coached and what he expected. And I had always had a great deal of admiration for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a good coach and he was a hard nosed coach and he, yeah. he wanted it done the right way. And every, I think everybody that ever played him probably liked him a lot in the sense of what they, he was taught, what they were taught, not necessarily liked him personally. Because <laughs> <as, laughs> you know, there are coaches right. out there who don't necessarily care if you like them or not. <laughs> right. And he would be one. Yes. So, yeah. Exactly. Now, I just, I had a great deal of admiration for how he coached and how he got his uh, teams to play that hard back then. But uh, all, all right, so no Jennings County tonight. Now, had you gone to North Vernon, you could have passed the first radio station where I ever worked. That was the then Win One Hundred Six WINN Mount Vernon Seymour Columbus. It's in Scipio, Indiana, and now it's just got a bunch of weeds and stuff growing up in the building. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of like where I used to broadcast from at WIRE in Indianapolis. So I know yes. Over there, so. <laughs> yes. Kind of like that. I, one of my better days over there, I was working and they, uh, they wanted to know what was stinking so bad. And, you know, I smelled good. I wore great cologne back then, but they found out that there was a, a dead possum in, in the roof. So it was up and. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know I, I hired a guy named John Minko. I think you know who he yes. is, John. Of oh course, yeah, at the, but one of the very first hirings at uh, WFAN in New York, one of the very the very first sport, all sports station in the country. John was hired away for me to go there, but I hired John uh, back in 1979 from a place called WART, the Wart. 
And I believe that was in Plainfield. <laughs> That's awesome. W-A-R-T, the wart. Uh-huh. Man. You could get you could get some hellaciously good sponsorships out of that, could you? I mean, the wart. That, well, if the marketing people would have had any, any, you know, if they'd have had marketing people yeah. at that time, it might have really helped them, but they didn't. Here's your sports update brought to you by Compound W, Don, right there. That'd be awesome. We could do this forever. That's why I love talking to you every Friday. I am so entertained. You know, Don, really, I'm to a point now where as long as we entertain one another, I really don't care what else happens. Seriously. Well, That's it. I've pretty much been that way about my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, family would tell you that I'm my my greatest comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us. Uh, So Hoosier hysteria is happening tonight. Uh, Mention that. Um, And then you've got homecoming football coming up tomorrow and uh, you talk about a desperate need for any sort of just a couple of series consistency of good play this football team is in need of that I'm talking baby steps right here Don well and that's what we should be talking because uh, after the last couple of ball games uh, giving up 104 points and scoring only what 14 yourself uh, it's been a well actually they got 17 against Maryland but all those came so late that you didn't think about them but the the yeah. fact of the matter is John this team does need a confidence builder there's no question about it and tomorrow would be an ideal opportunity to get that now granted Rutgers is playing I think Rutgers is the most improved football team from last year out of the Big Ten. I don't think anybody comes close to them and what they've been able to do. They're 5-2. and two. Their defense is playing lights out. They're in the top 25. I think they're number eight or maybe five in the country in total defense. Uh, they are playing terrific defensive football, and they've got a running game with Kyle Manungai, who's leading the Big Ten in rushing uh, with a quarterback that can run it as well. So they, they've got a ball club right now that under Greg Schiano knows exactly what they're trying to do. They built the, the product very well, and uh, we'll see if Indiana can somehow come up with a victory tomorrow. Indiana's had a bye week. They've obviously played Michigan after the bye week. Shiano's team, uh, Rutgers, has not had a bye week yet, so this is their eighth straight week of playing. If Indiana gives themselves a chance in this ball game, I think they have an opportunity here, but they've got to play really well on the offensive side of the football because what we've seen from the defense the last couple of weeks is a, a bit – uh, it's no question. Yeah. It's a little dangerous right now how they're playing. They're trying to do too much. And, and John, you saw it in the ball game last week against Michigan. You had a guy leave his man because he thought he had to help out on the play, and they threw a touchdown pass right over the top of him. And it was just—it's that kind of thing that's going on right now with this ball club. The inability to focus on your job and get your job done rather than try to help somebody else with theirs. And honestly, this team needs a confidence builder and they need it badly. Yeah, it's a Don Fisher voice of the Hoosiers. That's uh, IU and Rutgers tomorrow. That kick is at noon. That means 11 a.m. on 93 WIBC for the pregame show. I, I don't even know really where to begin last week. I mean, you 52 unanswered. To Michigan, no doubt Michigan is good, one of the best in the nation. But uh, and, and then it comes out Michigan's, you know, under investigation by the NCAA for you know illegally stealing signs or illegally scouting or something like that. See, yeah, I, I'm assuming they did not do that. <laughs> Maybe the investigation does not hinge on on what I was doing. I guess last week does it. So unfortunately. <laughs> Well, we could look at it differently. We could actually say, yeah, that had a lot to do with why Indiana got married. Well, we could. We could. But but here's the thing. You had a brand-new offensive coordinator, and Michigan had no idea what he was going to do. So (laughs) I don't don't think maybe that excuse will carry very far. I don't think so. No, No, it probably probably won't. And it just – it it was just magnified again in in all – the wrong ways on both sides of the football, Don, last week in Ann Arbor. Yeah. 
I think the biggest key right now, John, is they've got to settle on a quarterback. They've got to determine who it's going to be. And the oddity or irony of that scenario or that statement is the fact that very much is a very good, a very good possibility that we could see a third quarterback in the mix tomorrow. That I wondered. Being Dexter Williams. Because Dexter dressed for last week's ball game. He did not get in, but he was dressed for it. Uh, up in Michigan, and he's worked this week, and there's no question. Uh, Dexter, of course, has more experience than either of the two guys put together uh, that are redshirt freshmen as quarterbacks. So I, I don't know what's going to happen in that regard. The Tom Allen gave no indication as to what, what might take place in that regard this coming week, although he did say we've got to, we've got to have just one guy we're counting out at quarterback at this point. So I think, uh, you know, maybe – Maybe all the things that have been written this week and all the negative stuff that's come out um, maybe has the attention of the offensive side of the football. Well, hopefully, we hope it takes place. You may be at a point right now, Don, where really nothing is going to surprise you, but I am curious to know, would it surprise you in any sense if Dexter Williams is the guy tomorrow? It would surprise me if he would be the starter. Yeah, yeah, I would be shocked by that because he has he's practiced – but he hasn't practiced yeah. a ton, and he hasn't been hit yet. Um, and and coming off an injury like that, we know what Michael Penix was like uh, his last year at Indiana, coming off an injury, a serious injury like he had. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know. I, I don't know how you can put a, a young man in that position uh, if he hasn't practiced quite a bit, number one, and then number two, hasn't been slid in there you know, a little bit for a time being, not necessarily the starter, but gets a little bit of a role in what uh, the team is trying to do in a game. So, we'll, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Again, they have kept mum on how they're planning on using him, if, in fact, they use him at all. So, right now, all I can tell you at this juncture is that, that there is the possibility that he could be in there, too, just like the other two. Would it, would it surprise you if you saw, not injury speaking, all three at some point tomorrow? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and me I'm too. saying that just because I think they've got to settle. I think they really yeah. have to try to settle and determine who they want to be this the guy. And uh, I think it's a factor that, that has hurt this team right now. And it's probably hurt both these quarterbacks being flip-flop back and out of there. I, I can't answer that question. I, don't, I yeah. haven't talked to either one of these guys since they've been doing this. Um, I, I just can't see that it hasn't been a psychological factor for both of them. I don't know. I just kind of sit here and think that that ultimately they would love to see Dexter Williams out there. But then, you know, when when Tom mentioned earlier this week that, hey, you know, we got to settle on on one guy and him not having, you know, any experience so far this year and not putting him out there in in live fire coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I, I guess you could go back against that and go ahead and play him at some point. But. I would agree with you. I mean, you settle on somebody and go. It's already a cluster, but that makes it even more so of a cluster if you're all over the map continuously at that position. Yep. I, I mean, it's it's probably the most important position, at least from an offensive standpoint on the field. And and uh, we, we know that from how the NFL goes about it, and we know how important it is at the college level, too. And I understood why that they would have a trial scenario for these two redshirt freshmen. I get that, but once you've decided on who the guy's going to be, you got to. I think you got to stick with him, no matter who it is. So, uh, unfortunately, they're in this turmoil right now because they they haven't done that, and and doesn't mean that they would have won those uh, any ball games that they've lost. But at the same time, at least you know who your guy is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's nothing. No, the only thing that can help right now, and that's why I mentioned earlier, Don, baby steps. I mean, I'm not you know, talking about, you know, winning tomorrow, but be competitive. Be competitive in the first quarter. You know, maybe have some consistent football being played to the half. That's really what it is all about right now in terms of this football team, even before you start talking about winning and losing. It's just the start of the game, getting through it, and not – not falling down that well that we oftentimes see on either side of the football with an IU team. Yep. And it's, it's it, right now, John, it's all about confidence. In my opinion, they, they've got to find some way to build that confidence level, whether it's just on in quarterbacks or on the offensive side, they, they've got to get everybody in the same realm of believing once again. And to do that, you've got to win. 
And to win, you've got to play really well, no matter who you're up against. And in this situation, they're playing a Rutgers team that is playing lights out defensively, and they've got a good offense. They can hold on to the football and, and make you know shorten the game with their running game. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be very difficult for Indiana to win this contest, and yet I still think they've got a chance to do that if they play up to their capability. He is a uh, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, with us again. IU Rutgers coming up tomorrow noon is the start, eleven a.m. The pregame show on ninety-three WIBC. I was just reading too regarding the whole the, the spying, uh, whatever the case with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Saw Pat Forty had a story that largely depends on this Michigan probe of the NCAA enforcement. If this becomes an infractions case, potentially penalties loom, and they're calling them level one. I, I think you would have to have like somebody a scout or somebody in your huddle, right? On a level one, right? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what level one means. Uh, Me either. To, to that scenario, but I would say this. It, it does appear to be a serious allegation, and, and I don't know who made it. I guess the, and I saw a couple of articles that uh, Rutgers put out today on Greg Schiano being upset yeah. and saying something in their post-game press conference. Uh, but he said it, he was alluding to something else, some nuances with the officials. Rather than, <laughs> and I could have said, well, Greg, I think Indiana's experienced that nuance with the officials <laughs> a, a time or two, especially in Ann Arbor. <laughs> yes, that nuance is, has been often. But, no, I, I actually heard what he said about that. And, you know, you could take it in terms of talking about Michigan and what they're in right now investigation wise, but you could all, you could really take it a number of different directions. So, oh yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It, it's uh it's interesting. To, it's interesting to say the least. I'm telling you what they're going to track. One of these days they're going to track down Jim Harbaugh, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, they're trying, they're trying every way. It seems. It appears so. so. It appears. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, the, the guy, of course, as all Colts fans know, was absolutely phenomenal here. I mean, his comeback efforts and games and that kind of thing, he was fun to watch, and, and he was certainly a, a hero to, to Colts fans. But but since he became a coach, it's been a different story just about every place he's been. Yeah, get a shelf life. Does he know? And, and we know a lot of coaches that have a shelf life that can give yeah. you what you want for a minute, and then, man, when it's after that, it's it's pretty much done, and you can certainly – easily point that out don fisher joins us at how many practices with iu's basketball squad have you seen so far i've seen four i've seen uh, three well i've seen one scrimmage and i've seen and i've heard about another one <laughs> okay <laughs> but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about it no i can't do it um <laughs> I, I i was there for two practice uh, i've been there for yeah. three practices that i've actually seen a uh, four practices that i've actually seen but I've only seen one scrimmage, and the, the one scrimmage I, I think we talked about last week was not a very yeah. good one. <laughs> right. I. What, what do you expect from Xavier Johnson this year? Well, I would think there's little question that he's going to be the leader of this ball club. Uh, obviously, he's the point guard. That's exactly what Mike Woodson always wants. He wants his point guard to be the leader. Uh, I think he's he's got the experience now. He's had to sit on the bench for basically – uh, two-thirds of a year to watch this team play. And if he didn't gain something from that, then he wasn't paying attention because it should teach you a lot when you just sit there and watch your teammates and see what the coaches are trying to do with you and those kinds of things. And I think he tried to be a bit of a leader last year, but when you're out, you're, you're not as or You can't be as verbal as you would like to be. That said, I expect a lot from him. I think he's got to be the guy that, that puts this team on his back at times. And without doubt, I think the one thing that they missed out of Xavier last year when he was hurt was his defensive prowess because he would have been a major factor defensively down during the Big Ten portion of the schedule against some of the best guards in this league. Jalen Pickett, of course, Boo Booey, guys like that that Indiana didn't have an answer for during the regular season. So I think his defensive skills and, and what he's able to do as a point guard and a lead guy in your in your leader, so to speak, are the key things that he will supply this year. You, you so hope for maturation here, too, because as that team leader, he can make it or he can break it here. You know what I mean? And that's, sure. I mean, that, that's what you're hoping for, that maturity, that sitting out most of last season, that growth 
um, is something that he can maintain and uh, you know, you know, be a, a mature leader, which is exactly what they need. Well, they do, and on top of that, and it'll be part of his job to make sure that he gets these guys playing on the same page because you've got so many new faces. I mean, yeah. you've got veterans in this team. You've got there's there's guys that have been around. Obviously, Trey Galloway and and people such as that. Malik Renew's been there for a year and that kind of thing. But at the same time, you've got six new faces on this ball club, five of which are going to probably play. I don't know if Ja'Kai Newton is going to get much playing time simply because of his injury that he has not recovered from from high school. And it doesn't – I would assume that they're probably looking at redshirting him because I don't think he's scheduled to play until mid to late season. So um, they've really got five new faces that they've got to put in here and, and regroup with. Um, and all these guys, some of them have been here, but some of them have not. And I think right now it's just a, a matter of the chemistry between these guys is really good. And I think that'll happen as the, as the season progresses because I know Mike's right now. Mike is just trying to put all the pieces together. And at this juncture, I'm not sure he feels like he's got that done. In fact, I know he doesn't feel that way. But I think he believes this team has got the talent to be pretty good as the season progresses. But again, they've got to stay together. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, who will not be attending Hoosier Hysteria and not be hanging out after the show with Gucci Mane tonight. Not a surprise by that. <laughs> now, I don't think the primary reason I would even go if I was going would be to see Gucci. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just hey, are you going to our table tonight? We are. Holy crap. <laughs> that seems like that seems like a, a double cocktail type of situation right there. Actually, I got to go to I got to go over to Ron Colley, I think, and grab Blake a little bit later on. So they're playing. Oh, tonight. is that so right? I, yeah, but yeah, man, we got to do that sometime. I want to get back there and see Joe and Ginger, and uh, and get our cocktails going again sometime soon. Sounds good, man. Because I'm buying. I'm buying. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bub. All right, buddy. We'll talk at you. Have a good night. Hey, thanks. See ya. Busy show, so we'll get to our friend Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. Every Friday is brought to you by our 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. That is CarX.com for all of your car, truck, or van needs today. It's uh, Bob Lovell on the opening Friday of the second season, the postseason, the playoffs in high school football around the state of Indiana. Hello, Bob. How are you? I'm great, John. How are you? I know it. Um, it is still an incredible night, but it it, it is always. I, I hate the fact that there can't be everybody going right at the beginning here. I understand why, but that's the one thing because it gets you looking ahead a little bit the next week, doesn't it? Just a little bit, a smidge. Yeah, I think you always have to keep in mind that the, these succeeding. Fridays are going to be really difficult times for families. I mean, you're talking about if you have a a son who plays football, um, unlike you and and others, you can go out and and go play basketball with your buddies, and uh, you're going to be able to do that for uh, for a while. You should probably stop, but you've done it for a while. So you're going to have those opportunities. Well, I don't think you and your buddies are going to strap on your pads and go knock each other around and go play football. In your we're not. time, and so yes, you know, we are not. Career, yeah, your, your your career comes to a screeching halt, and so all those dinners with your teammates, all those practices, all those things that you and the family, you know, summer, uh, all the things that you've done, they're they're over. Uh, for a, a number of people, they're over tonight at the end of the night, and that is an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. It's hard. All those years you've invested in it. They come to a screeching halt uh, when the tournament rolls around. All right. What are we looking at tonight, especially in 4A? 4A is business as usual, and it is uh, loaded with interesting first-night matchups. Well, sectional 13, let's start there. Plainfield, yep. my beloved Quakers. You got it. Harrison of West Lafayette. That, that is a – I tell you what, that is a tremendous matchup. I mean, you, these are two teams – that are pretty good, to be honest. Plainfield's number four. Excuse me, Plainfield's not – they're not number four. Plainfield is in a situation where they're both ranked 
right around the same in the polls. And the other part of it, too, is that Quakers are struggling. They've lost their last two. Harrison is really, really good. So um, I think this is one of those toss-up type of games. Also in that section of Decatur Central is at McCutcheon. And so uh, I think uh, when we did the pairing show, Paul Condor and I looked at this as kind of a a wide-open thing. Decatur Central playing very well right now. But that's going to be a tough, tough matchup for my Quakers tonight. Yeah, I mean, you look at it like that. Um, you know, obviously, you, 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 Ron Colley starts out, which what it's been an end of the regular season that's been rough for a, a young team, certainly on the south side. They start out with Short Ridge later on tonight. Right. Well, you know, you, you you're right. It has been a it's been a tough time. Um, you know, you, you you have a situation in sectional fourteen. You, you got Whiteland and. Uh, at Terre Haute North, Franklin is at Terre Haute South. Um, I, I'm con- obviously concerned about that myself. But, you know, it's, um, you know, Ron Colley, as we've mentioned, ha- has had a difficult time lately. Yeah. Uh, but now's that time where you start to put those things together. They, they have such great, you know, they had a tremendous year a year ago, and they play well in tournament situations. And so I'd be optimistic, quite frankly, if I were a Ron Colley fan. Yeah, I mean, Foray's got everybody going, and I guess everybody everybody's trying to track down East Central again this year, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and I think it may be difficult. Uh, they open up with uh, Shelbyville, uh, and I'm not exactly sure. When you begin to look at uh, at Foray, you know, you've got teams, yeah. you know, maybe some teams from up north. I think the intriguing game in Foray, though, John, is Greenfield Central hosting yeah. Pendleton Heights. This is number four and number 12. Uh, our friend Matt Surface's son plays for Hamilton for Pendleton Heights. Uh, they've been having a good year. How about the weekend Matt and his family are having? So he, he has two sons, one place tonight in the sectionals, one place tomorrow at Terre Haute as the Sycamores are in action tomorrow afternoon. And so, uh, but the Greenfield Central Pendleton Heights game is a really good one. I think people have to pay an awful lot of attention to Kokomo. They played great. Uh, further north, New Prairie's having a tremendous year. Um, New Haven, Mississippi, Northridge, some teams you have to think about in 4A. So Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk is going to have you covered tonight and tomorrow night regarding all this action. Then get you set with a little college football coming up tomorrow as well. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I was thinking about this. I think I was talking to Greg Rakesraw Tuesday about the, the basketball that's going on at Greenfield Central right now. It seems like that with whatever group that they have, I mean, th- this particular line of athletes uh, mm-hmm. over at Greenfield Central, both football and basketball, they've they got a pretty good spot, kind of a sweet spot it looks on both sides right now, basketball and football exact, especially. Yeah, I, think, I think you're right. I mean, it's a, they're in a cycle of a really talented yeah. group of kids, uh, and um, I think a lot of times your basketball team feeds off of what your football team does. I think it happens in a lot of schools. I think they have tremendous athletes. Their coaches are, are outstanding. Uh, they both they all realize they're on a run. They have the, they have the the pieces in place to be successful uh, playing football and basketball uh, tonight. Though again, it's a tough matchup with Pendleton Heights. So Bob Level brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations with me every single Friday. CarX.com for that location nearest you. So certainly there have been better teams in New Pal, but still a strong seven and two as they hit now the postseason. They match up with one and eight Newcastle. Is this, you know, maybe a type of New Pal team that is not as vaunted as it has been in the past entering the postseason, but certainly one to be reckoned with at seven and two this year. No, I'd agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, in years past, they've they've steamrolled people, John. I mean, they they really have. They've been a the classic juggernaut. They're good. They're good. They played a great schedule. Their conference is really solid. Uh, seven and two might be a little deceptive. I think they're better than that. Uh, but again, uh, that that part of the state, you know, they're 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 in the midst of it. You know, so you look at uh, you know who they're playing. Uh, I think it's uh, Newcastle, as you mentioned, has has really had its struggles to say the least. Uh, so I think they they have a a, a great chance to just move on and. Uh, I wouldn't uh, – you're going to have to play awfully, awfully well to beat them in whatever tournament situation you're in when you're playing Newfound. Hey, Bob, I'm going to look at 3A, too, because Shittard has been so good at, at 9-0. Right. But you look on the other side 
of the field tonight is Tippecanoe Valley. I don't know anything about them. They are 9-0 and as well. That seems like one big-time humdinger right there. Well, Tippy Valley, uh, this is one of those years where they felt like they could be pretty good. They've, they've had uh, this team has gotten better and better. Uh, they're ranked number six for a reason, as you point out. Uh, I, I think clearly the question you ask is, has Tippecanoe Valley played the schedule that Shatard has played? Uh, they probably haven't. Uh, and uh, you know, tournament time is when these things sometimes even out. So playing that great schedule that Shatard plays, I think, can give them an edge in this matchup tonight with Tippy Valley. Yeah, what do you think about it, too? There are so many good teams in this top ten. You know, you mentioned yeah. Chittard and Tippecanoe Valley, both unbeaten. Gibson Southern down south, 7-2. and two. Garen, 7-2. and two. Peru, 9-0. and oh. Heritage Hills, 8-1. and one. Hanover Central, 9-0. and oh. Hamilton Heights, 9-0. and oh. Tri-West, 8-1. and one. That is a loaded logjam there in the top ten in 3A. Some tremendous teams, as you point out. Garen is playing an undefeated Peru team. Uh, who, as you mentioned, they're number 13, and they're really good. Uh, and you look at what Hamilton Heights has done. We talked about them last week. They're very, very difficult to score against. Uh, Gibson Southern throws the ball all around the yard, so they're, they're difficult to match up with. I think, uh, you know, Tri-West, the Tri-West-Danville game is a tremendous game, to be quite, quite honest. There's a lot going on, inter-county rivalry, uh, a lot on the line for the obvious reasons, and so – I think all up and down 3A, you got uh, nothing but great games. This is just assumption here, and Bob Lovell joins us in 2A, but I'm assuming that that there is a path for both Lafayette Central Catholic and Linton Stockton to reach uh, the championship game in 2A at Lucas Oil Stadium. Now, there are a lot of teams in between them. Triton Central's 8-1, Brownstown Central 8-1, Laville 8-1, Lures, of course, always in the mix at 6-3, Alexandria's 8-1, Bluffton 7-2. Again, you've got another top 7 or 8 right there where it is top-heavy with good teams in 2A. No, John, when we started uh, talking about football, we said that there was great balance in, in the classes. We thought that Center Grove might have an edge in 6A, yeah. thought that Lutheran would clear, clearly have an edge in 1A. But we said 2, 3, 4, and 5 were going to be very, 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 very deep, and they, and they are. I mean, Linton Stockton uh, has some impressive numbers. There's no question that, uh, that they're good. Uh, Triton Central. Uh, is really, really good. The team that I would pay attention to in, in 3A is Brownstown Central. Reed May, their Hall of Fame coach, uh, is a tremendous coach, and they know how to play. There's no question that, that they're good. Uh, modern day, still trying to find them their way along, but I think you look at Linton Stockton, Triton Central, Brownstown Central, LaVille up north has a tough matchup tonight with Andrean. Uh, Lures is always good, but – uh, there's a lot of quality teams in 2A, as you mentioned. Yep, and uh, yeah, Class A as well, which uh, starts with 8-0 and in the season. Indianapolis Lutheran, fresh out of the southeast side of Indianapolis. How about 8-1 Springs Valley, number eight? And we thought they only played hoop down in Springs <laughs> Valley in West Vaden, down in French Lake. But they got a little football going this year. Valley's been winning some football games now, I and mean, they really have. I, I love what what Park Tudor has done. You know, they're ranked number five. Uh, they're legit. They're, they're very, very good. Uh, they take on Fountain Central tonight. That's a tough game. Fountain Central's number 15. Uh, Springs Valley. Uh, South Putnam is having a great run. Uh, Bud Wright and his guys at Sheridan, John, you always have to pay attention to what they're doing, but I think – most people recognize that Lutheran will be a very, very difficult team to beat. They've won it the last two times. They're undefeated and undefeated for a reason. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. He's got you tonight and tomorrow night as the postseason is officially underway. Not with everybody, but officially underway. He's got you covered, <laughs> brought to you by every Friday. Your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. Maintain fall road readiness at CarX.com with that location nearest you today. Have a blast. I know you will tonight and tomorrow night. And uh, we'll be back with it with uh, all classes on board this time next week, Bob. Thank you. Thanks for having me, John. Have a great weekend.